Are you ready to believe for greater things this morning? Are you ready to see God do something fantastic even in the midst of trial? So we have a question this morning that we're going to pose at this point. And um, I, I, did we, were we able to get it typed out? Yeah, 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 we might have it. Okay, so we normally have this all done up and pretty for you and so forth. But again, this morning hasn't been a normal morning. But I, I think we're going to be able to throw the text of it up. So here's the question for this morning. What Christian or spiritual behaviors help you know you're strong and intimate with the Lord? Nina's going to join me. And we invite you now to engage with us. You can do so through this phone number. You can text your response, your feelings, your thoughts, 720-878-88, excuse me, 720-878-3323. Or just type it into the chat window there, and um, I'm monitoring that right here, okay? So, again, what are your thoughts? What do you think? What would your response be to this question? What Christian or spiritual behaviors help you know you're strong and intimate with the Lord. Okay, everybody, don't raise your hand at once now. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Are there particular behaviors that you feel like help you know you're strong and intimate with the Lord? Oh, 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 here I come. Uh, patience, kindness, gentleness. Oh. oh, I like that a lot. You are getting spiritual. Yes. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's being really Christian. Well, I, I, I think those are some good points. <laughs> yes, they are. They're, they're good Christian points. Watch, watch the room for me, honey. <gasps> Is there somebody back there? Back there. <laughs> Having a servant heart. Having a servant heart. Having a servant's heart, which you certainly yeah. display yeah. all the time. Yes, yes, yes. That's great. Live stream audience, Another great come on, point. engage with us. Text your answer or chat with us in the chat. What do you think of? What's your response when Praying you entertain that spirit. question? What was that? Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Is that that glossal, glossalalia, glossalalia, Yeah. You know about that? Is that that? You know about that? Is that that funny tongue, tongue talking, charismatic thing? You mean? Do you mean that? Just, just praying in the spirit. <laughs> I think just communing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Communing with the Lord day and night, just all day, talking to the Lord mm. before I go to sleep, when I wake up. Okay. Yes. Communing with the Lord day and night, talking to him. Ralph has a... Ralph, I see. Ralph says, I am still searching, knocking, and therefore going strong. I like all these answers. Aren't they good? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's not a hand raised, right? That's a camera. No, that's, that's not a praise <laughs> the Lord. That's the cameraman doing his job. Okay, anybody else out in the live stream audience? Once again, you can engage with us by texting your answer, 720-878-3323, or type it into the chat. Anybody else? Yes, it's good just to be still alive, isn't it? Uh, Ralph, just uh, I, I'm knocking, I'm seeking, therefore I'm going strong. Okay, here's an answer. Miracles and magnificent things about our lives and in our lives. Miracles add. And. Miracles and. Magnificent things. Magnificent things. In our lives. In our lives, Okay. Anybody else responding to the question, what Christian behaviors or what spiritual behaviors help you know that you are strong and intimate with the Lord? I think that's about it. Let's look we, one more time here. Have we worn it out? Okay. We're By done. the way, Brother Lewis says, doing okay, we're waiting in the ER. So be praying for, for little Jeremiah. It, this is not apparently... I, I it's don't not life-threatening. It's not life-threatening. I don't think that. He fell, got stitches, and now is having a tooth that might be lost. So I don't know what that they're experiencing exactly, but they needed to go back to the ER. So. Right. Because it's an adult, adult tooth at this point. If he were to lose it, then of course, everything that goes with that. So we're just, we're just praying that that tooth be kept, restored, healed, that he not lose it. Little guy. I mean, we're not talking an adult here. We're talking a child. So he's got the rest of his life ahead of him. And so, you know, these things really make a difference. Well, thank you. Yep, you're yeah. welcome. All right. So... I've entitled my message this morning, Perseverance, the Christian Fitness Test. <laughs> I want to give you some definitions first. Pretense, the word pretense. We live in a lot of pretense. We live under a lot of pretense as Christians, I, I think. The word pretense means a claim made or implied, especially one not supported by fact. It also means an inadequate or insincere attempt to attain, to obtain, or to attain a certain condition or quality. It can also mean professed rather than real intention or purpose. I know I've experienced each of those things, and I've experienced them in relationship to my Christian walk, to trusting and believing God, to thinking I'm right with God, close to God, intimate with God. A lot of various pretense there. A lot of things I thought I needed to do, thought I needed to say. A lot of intensity, a lot of struggle, a lot of... Mm, and of course, well, I got to believe that the right way, or you should have more faith, you should have bigger faith, you should, 
You know, if, if I just had more faith, then I could believe God for bigger things. Is that pretense? Perseverance, the Christian fitness test. Do you ever feel like you're in a test to prove that you're really a Christian? Have you ever felt like you need to prove that you're a Christian? That you're a good person? Do you ever feel like you need to do things to prove or to gain God's favor? How about his acceptance? How about proximity, feeling close to the Lord? Do you, do you need to prove that? Is there a presumption that there's something I need to do? So I'm, I'm going to bring in the other P word now, perseverance. That's defined this way. Continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. I can say I have lived there in relationship to my Christianity. I've lived my life there. The need to achieve that despite difficulties and failure and opposition, I need to achieve. I need to be better. I need to do better, think better. I need to be a better Christian. I need to get closer to God. If something's wrong, well, then maybe that's a lack of faith. Could it be a lack of faith that something's wrong, that you're experiencing the difficulty in the first place? Could that be a lack of faith? And so you, you, you persevere and you press in and you, you read the Bible even more. You go to church even more diligently. You do these, quote, Christian behaviors in order to deal with what's lacking, the perceived lack, the perceived distance? Do you feel distant from God many times and feel that there's something I can do to make that up so I can be closer to God? There's an interesting verse of Scripture that has often been used to teach that it's my responsibility to prove myself and to persevere in obeying God's commands so that he will bless me. We find it in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. Let's look at it together. This first presentation of it, this first look at it, will be from the New International Version. It reads this way. You have kept my command to endure patiently, dot, dot, dot. So there's the rest of that, and we will get into the rest of it. But it's worded this way. You have kept my command to endure patiently, implying that you have to do it, that there are commands you have to keep, that he has commanded you to endure and then obviously, if you do not endure properly, if you don't have the right set of behaviors, if you're not strong enough in your faith, well, then there's the dot, dot, dot that we're going to look at. Now, it's interesting. That translation, unfortunately, being so very popular, the New International Version translation, eminently popular, the most widely purchased translation outside of the King James Version, 
or translation of the Bible ever, New International Version. That is a very unfortunate translation of that verse and of that, that saying. Here's the New American Standard Version, and in fact, if you read from a more literal word-for-word -word translation or a good Greek and Hebrew type translation, you will not see that worded that way. Here's the New American Standard Version. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance. Whose perseverance is in question here? <laughs> you, you see how it doesn't say what the New International Version translated it to say. But the New International Version and many other common modern versions translate this in such a way as to put the onus, the responsibility for your walk and being a good Christian on you. I love the mirror translation of verse 10. Watch this. You have greatly valued the prophetic word which came to fulfillment in what I endured. I will also guard you. So here's the dot, dot, dot. I then will also guard you with great care, empowering you to stand strong in the midst of troubled times that are about to come upon the inhabited world. I mean, in my lifetime, I've never been in a more troubled time on this planet. We are experiencing, I mean, from the news to what you read, the conversation you listen to, I mean, has there ever in your lifetime been a more troubled, sort of dark? And of course, part of that understand is the availability of news which the internet makes right now. So when something happens even in another country we know it within minutes of it happening but it's just some of the darkest two teenagers this week beat up an elderly man with traffic cones beat him so severely they were just walking he was walking on the sidewalk going home I believe and a couple of teenagers took traffic cones and beat the man to death That and so the, the war in, in Ukraine, the racism that's going on, systemic racism in our own culture as well as throughout, pervasive throughout other cultures even. What is going on? It's like things are unhinged. I, I've never in my 60 plus years experienced something so dark as what we're in. And and. Then the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes and he says this. Jeff, you have greatly valued the prophetic word which came in the fulfillment of what I endured. So I'm going to guard you with great care, empowering you to stand strong in the midst of troubled times. Now that's all different, altogether different than the first translation that we read. Which once again, if you read that translation, New International Version, 
The onus to be obedient, to persevere, to be strong is on you. When really in the Greek language he's saying, I'm the one that endured. I'm the one that has persevered. And so I'm enabling you with great care. I will take care of you because of what I did, what I accomplished, not what depends upon you. That is an altogether different message. Here's the next verse, verse 11 in the mirror translation. Do not let tough times make me seem distant from you. I am at hand. See my nearness, not my absence. And don't let temporal setbacks diminish your own authority either. Remember that you call the shots. You wear the crown. My crown endorses your crown. (laughs) Modern evangelicalism, modern religion has a lot of pretense in it. And it's a pretense that I'm responsible, you're responsible for carrying the load. You need to be a good Christian. Let me give you a couple of examples. Have you ever heard this? When God closes the door, he opens a window. No, actually, sometimes God closes the door and there's nothing else to open. It's it's just shut. And you need to quit being pretentious that somehow you're just going to faith this thing through. You're going to believe harder, do better, be a better Christian, and you're going to see the window open. Maybe the door closed here, but the window's going to... Well, no, maybe stick around, just stay. Just, Just stay. You don't need to go through a window or a door. Maybe you're supposed to sit and not go. Maybe there's not going to be another opportunity right now in this season and you're supposed to walk this one out. You see, there's a lot of pain associated with telling somebody, well, God may have closed the door, but he'll open a window over here. Well, no, maybe that window isn't meant to open and quit telling people that because there's a lot of pain associated with that expectation that there's something I need to do, something wrong with me, something I need to believe differently. Don't keep providing a baseless promise such as that, uh, quote, opportunity, end quote, always exists because opportunities don't always exist. Here's another one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that is a Bible verse. But it is not the typical power ballad treatment that this verse gets in our various circles of evangelicalism. That wasn't meant to be a power statement. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is simply discussing the fact that he's learned to be content. Read the context of the verse and don't lift it out of context. The entire context of that chapter is talking about how Paul suffered many things, experienced many broken opportunities, tried to press ahead but couldn't, lost many things and was beaten and whipped and tried to get down the road to one town but he was held up and couldn't go. All sorts of things in Paul's life and ministry. Lost, lost opportunities. And then he says to that all, he says, but I have learned to be content with whatever is going on 
Because it's in Jesus's perseverance. It's in, in the fact that Jesus endured that I'm trusting, not my ability to endure a trust. Somebody mentioned it earlier. How about humility here instead of the self-centeredness that we constantly seem as Christians to be in? I can do all things through Christ. It's like, do you ever have a bad day? No, I, I can do all things through Christ. I never have a bad day. I've heard people say that. That is such an ignorant statement. I think when I was quite a bit younger Christian, I certainly haven't said it in the last couple of decades, I would have said something like that. Well, bless God. All things work together for the good to them that love God. I never have a bad day. Bad day's just in your mind. Oh, really? Well, let's tell that to the Rojases who had to rush little Jeremiah to the hospital last night in the middle of the night and get stitches. Were they not believing enough? Were they not standing in faith? Is God distant from that family? Did they, did they sin? See, so much of our presumptuousness, so much of our evangelicalism, our, our religion is filled with pretense. How about this one? I'll pray about it. If I feel led, you know, if it's God's will. I used to have a, fellow, a fellowship with an individual who almost everything they said needed a little tag. You know what a tag is for, for the super spiritual? That like every step you take, every place you go, every decision you make, every appointment you have, somehow the Holy Spirit led me. Or, you know, I felt led or boy I sensed God's will or I prayed about that and God gave me a release here now listen to me it's not wrong to be led by the Holy Spirit it's not wrong to pray about decisions it's just wrong to feel the need to tag everything you do with one of those little Christian ease sayings because somehow for you that makes you closer to God that gets you approval with God uh, you're persevering, you, you're, I got my power ballot out, and now everything's going to work to the good. <laughs> well, clearly it doesn't, and clearly it doesn't in your life, if you'd be honest. Pretentious means this is, excuse me, these things, oh, I'll pray about it. Uh, when I, if I feel led, or if it's God's will, those are pretentious means of you just saying no, and you're not willing to just say no. <laughs> Take responsibility for your actions and quit pawning the responsibility off on God. Just say no. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. You don't need to tag things with this spiritual Christian ease. Here's another one. Everything happens for a reason. Now, variants of that could be this one. You know God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> have you ever, you, I know you've heard that. Have you ever said it? I have. Do you know what that does when somebody is struggling, going through a trial, and you respond to them with that? It, it causes them to suffer even further. 
because it makes them feel that the difficult circumstances they're having are because they're not good enough. They're not strong enough. They don't have enough faith. They're not close enough to God. They've done something to cause God to move more distant from them. It is a misapplication of Romans chapter 8 verse 28 where Paul said, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. This verse doesn't say that God specifically ordains everything. He clearly does not. Many things happen because there's evil in the world or because, oh, imagine this, I make a stupid decision. I do something dumb. You know, I did some dumb things this week. Now, I didn't turn around and say, well, you know, God causes all things to work together for the... No, actually, in a couple of those situations, God didn't cause anything to work out for the good. I had to go back, make it right, and stop thinking that way or quit saying that or just not do that dumb thing that way. <laughs> I was doing some yard work yesterday and on the back porch, and I was finishing up what I was doing, and I had my weed whacker in my hands, so both my hands were occupied. And I stepped down off the patio onto the lawn and forgot, you know, that's... In fact, it's so much that there's a stair there. <laughs> and I just didn't like take the stair. And I wound up, my weed whacker went up in the air, I wound up on my back, and then you know what we do, here's what we do. First thing we do, we look around to see if anybody watched us do something really stupid, right? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You know why? Because sometimes we're just so full of ourselves. We're just so self-centered. We're still under this shame thing that, oh, I did something stupid because really, you know, I'm perfect. You know, I do all things well. I carry my weed, weed whacker so well, and I, I make my way around the yard so well. It's like I fell off the stupid, you know, it's not that tall, but I fell off my back porch. What's that about? You know what? And I didn't hear God say anything to me. And I didn't claim, well, Lord, now I didn't lay there and go, wow, God, what's your purpose for me in this? Lord Jesus, what, what, what is, no, I just missed the step because I was engaged in being silly. Here's what I did do, though, as I was getting up. Wow, Lord, I could have really messed up my foot and twisted it, and I probably wouldn't be here today, or I'd be in great pain. Thank you so much. I just turned it, in an opportunity, turned it into an opportunity to give thanks. Here's our last one. Just again, pointing out the presumptuousness the, 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 the pretense under which we operate, thinking that that's what's required to know God, get close to God, have a relationship with God. God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you ever heard that, said that? You know, that's not pertaining to trials, to difficulties, to world wars, to racism, to things like that. That's only pertaining to personal temptation in your life. We weren't promised troubles that we could handle. We were promised help through the troubles. Did you get that? We weren't promised troubles we can't handle. We were promised help through our troubles. 
There's a difference. And again, this one, when you repeat that to somebody, you say, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. What unfortunately can happen there is it becomes victim blaming. All right? First, it implies that whatever bad things the person is currently experiencing happened because it came from God. Secondly, it implies that the person can, in fact, handle the circumstances on their own. They just need to shape up, get stronger, be closer to the Lord. And that's just not true. Because once again, it becomes do-it-yourself religion where you are the focus and the center of enduring. And that's based on our original text from the New International Version. You have, <clears throat> you have kept my command to endure patiently, which it doesn't say. The word of his perseverance, the word of his, you have kept the word of his perseverance. That is the good news that Jesus has persevered and overcome the world. It's the joyful revelation that because Jesus has done it all, you have nothing to prove. How do we keep the word of his perseverance? By continuing to trust Jesus who has persevered excellently in everything. Ignatius, one of the early church fathers, he understood that if you're living under the law, you have fallen from grace. You see, law-keeping puts the focus on you and your performance while distracting you from Jesus and his performance. I submit to you that Jesus has performed excellently, perfectly for you, as you, in you, through you, and for all time, all you need is to trust. Trust his endurance, the word of his endurance, not yours. So again, I'm going to reread and we'll post it here or let you see it in a slide. Here's Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10 from a different translation. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance... I also will keep you from the hour of testing. So, dear ones, we are not, you are not in a Christian fitness test. Life is not a Christian fitness test. This is not about your ability to persist or to be determined more or to show steadfastness or build your resolve or have more stamina, greater faith. Or at its worst, some people feel like they'll even be damned. They risk punishment if they don't measure up and endure. If they don't persevere to the end. <laughs> and Jesus has already persevered. He said, it is finished. There is no end for you to persevere to. He's brought an end to all things. He, Jesus, has brought an end to do-it-yourself religion. You don't need to persevere. He has. And now keeping the word of his perseverance is as simple as trusting him. There is no command to endure in the Greek language. 
It's all about his perseverance. I get a lot of illustrations when I'm outside working on the lawn. Can you all see that? And camera guy, you may want to zoom in on that. So this is a little splitter that splits the source, your hose, your main garden hose, into two different ones here. And so on my front lawn, I have a hose coming and travels through the bushes across the ground, place that's very inconvenient to get to daily. So I ran a hose so that I wouldn't have to get to the faucet. And unfortunately, our faucet's on the side of the house and through bushes, and it's a hassle. So I just ran a hose all that distant, and I hooked it right here. And then I have these two with shutoff valves that allow me to turn, I have other hoses here, one for Nina to water, one for me to water, and, 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 and so I move the, I, I move the little, and, and this is really hard, so I, I twist the thing to open and close, okay? So I have these hoses were, uh, hooked up, and I, I go out, and I, I recognize that there's water all over the porch where this is laying. My hose is going, but there's water. So I, I turn off the hose, and naturally you're thinking, well, I need to tighten that. It's a little loose. And so I bear down. It's already really tight. And so I bear down on it. I make it even tighter. So see, this is just illustration. Okay, this would be your other hose. That doesn't help it. Over a couple of days, I go out there, and no matter whether the water's running or not, whether I've cut it off here, coming in or not, it's leaking here. And I think, ah, needs a new washer. Now, you all know what a washer is, right? For the uninformed, not stupid, ignorant. We are ignorant of many things. I am ignorant of many things. I'm ignorant of how to get this washer out of here, for instance. This is a washer. And this little rubber piece, typically made of rubber or plastic, um, sits inside of there, right? You fit that inside of there, where you're then going to affix. And the purpose of that is to make a seal where the water cannot get around it, right? Now, I change the washer. I make sure it's really good and tight water continues to drip from that hose. Now at that point, we have an issue. We have a demon-possessed hose. And God is calling me, God is calling me to deliver it. I'm going to cast the devil out of it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get the victory. I'm going to believe. God's going to deliver my hose. So I took it apart again, and I noticed that the same thing was happening to this new washer that was the old one. When I took the old one out, it was kind of crinkled, and it didn't have its form or shape anymore, and it was twisted, and that's why I thought, oh, yeah, it's just a, just replace that. And then it occurred to me, is it possible that I'm cranking down on it too much? So... 
I crank to where it's real nice and tight, and then I just back off a little bit. It starts shooting. No, that's not it. So then I backed off even further. And all of a sudden, all the dripping stopped. And it hasn't been dripping. You know, God provides us everything we need in life. For life and for blessing, the scripture says. He's given us all things that pertain to life and blessing. He even provides your washers. You nut. You nut, you. I feel I'm a nut. I'm a total nut sometimes, the stupid things I do. And so I backed off on that, and I thought, man, that thing, that's going to spray everywhere. And it got tight and no more dripping. Could it be in your Christian walk, in your faith, that you've been cranking down too tight? Have you been trying too hard to please the Lord? Have you been praying too much? Is, I mean, is that possible? Could you pray, be praying too much? I used to go to meetings where it was sort of the thing, how you were dressed, how your hair was combed, whether you had a big ring, a really nice watch, and oh, the inevitable question, how large is your church? <laughs> you know what I have to say now? Oh, we're just a small group. In fact, we have more out in our live stream audience than we have that come to church, which is true, but not as measurable, not as tangible. Do you know for a pastor, especially coming out of the streams, uh, religious streams that I have come out of and been taught, ooh, that's, that's, like, that's like the most shameful thing for you to admit you're pastoring just a little small gathering. But you know what I've learned and what I've come to grips with? Back off, Jeff. <laughs> Lighten up. Quit trying so hard. Somebody told me the other day, ooh, I've been praying night and day. I get up early and I pray. I must spend a couple of hours every day in prayer. And I thought, Good for you. Prayer's not a bad thing. But I thought, man, that would be stupid for me. I don't have that kind of time to spend hours in prayer. And I just was so, I, that used to burden me before. It would shame me. It would, you know, boy, you need to pump it up, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> Are your washers deformed? Are your spiritual washers of prayer, going to church, reading your Bible, living with other people, going to church, uh, you know, going to Bible study, whatever your things are, being humble, being sensitive, you know, we had some really good ones mentioned. Have you been cranking down too hard on your spiritual washers? Are you deforming them because you think any of that is going to get you a solid connection with the Lord when actually it just makes you leak more. So stop it. Stop it. 
cast the devil of too tight washer out of you. You're messing up your washers. All right. We're going to have a time of prayer. Could we, Jeff, put up this uh, corporate prayer slide and let's all pray this together and then Nina's going to come and she's going to walk us. Could we together, everybody, ready, read. Lord, place us in the text of Scripture rather than the certainty of a constitution. Open your eyes to see the conversation, the story, the predicament, the spirit, and the incredible community of people who keep bumping into the living God. May we be a people who, even in the midst of experiencing setbacks, disappointment, and messiness, are best of all a people who are growing in trust of Jesus and one another. Cause us to see what you see, to feel what you feel about your church. Increase our faith that we can be part of making a difference, even starting anew.